So, 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 11, the predicted sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, or what it says in many translations, the glories to follow. The glories to follow. I don't know how to start this morning. You know, you're supposed to have some kind of way of <laughs> starting to get people's attention. Um, I don't know how to get your attention this morning. Um, are you interested in the glories to follow? I'm sure you'd say yes. But, you know, I'd say yes. But I don't think my mind and heart is often taken up with it. I confess that this morning. Um, in preparing this, I have thought that I think too much about the present. I think too much about myself. I think too much about the things round about me. I think too much about the disappointments. And I do not think enough about the glories to follow. I went to see a friend this week in our um, home. Uh, he's recently gone in. And um, this man was, used to be a brilliant musician. And I, he had his piano there in the home, the, the electronic piano he'd got. And so I played a few pieces. And I said, well, then let's guess the composer. And I played a bit of Bach. And I played a bit of Debussy. I played, played a bit of Rachmaninoff. He did not know them. He did not know them. But we know that. We know that in terms of the glories of this world, it's fading. It's passing. It's not eternal. We know the great empires of the past are gone. We know what they talk about as glorious today, the famous people, in a few years' time, I've not heard of them. We all know that's true. In fact, the image in Peter is, is very clear. Look what it says later on. Um, look at verse 24. All flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Now, that couldn't be clearer. And we all know it's true. The things of this life, the glories of this life, the things that people invest all their time and attention because they're wonderful. And God has given us things to enjoy. I'm not denying that. All good things come from him to enjoy. But these things are passing and transient and soon gone. And I'm ashamed to say I do not think about my subject enough but I'm going to talk upon this morning because these are the eternal things. Look, the word of the Lord endures forever. The message of God endures forever. And it's these things I want to talk about. Now, I'm not denying that there's not glory in this world. Do you remember Satan? He came along to the Lord in the temptations. He said, look at all this glory. It's mine. I'll give it to you if you bow down 
and worship me. There is a glory in this life. There is a glory. But it's passing. It's transient. And I'll tell you what, the stars of the heaven, they declare the glory of God. There's a glory in creation. But even that is passing. It's transient. So let's go on to the things that are eternal. The things that for a believer are wonderful. And the first thing I want to, if you turn to the script in, in your scriptures, can you turn to Ephesians chapter 5? You don't have to do this. If you haven't got a Bible, it doesn't matter. Um, so I haven't got the actual page number. Someone like to... 978. Okay. In Ephesians chapter 5. You see, there's a hymn. I've got the number down here. And I cannot sing part of this hymn. So when it comes up, I do not sing these words. Don't, don't worry about it. I, mean, I can't sing some other things, but it doesn't matter, does it? I mean, but I cannot sing these words. Um, like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided. All one body we, one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. I cannot sing those words. I don't think they're true. In fact, the man who wrote them, he wrote this hymn, it's Onward Christian Soldiers, if you know the hymn, he wrote it in 15 minutes. A whole hymn in 15 minutes. And he, well, he made some mistakes. And he said, well, look, folks, you change it. And in fact, in some hymn books, they've actually changed things because... Uh, some things he, he wrote. Now, why am I saying this? Because the church today isn't. We are not divided. One in hope and doctrine. God's people are not like that, sadly. Sadly, there is division, and there's confusion, all kinds of things. But, folks, look at the scriptures. And what does verse 27 tell you? Verse 27 of Ephesians chapter 5. I'll go back to 20, 23, get the context. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, that's a good to be reminded of the standard that we have. That he might sanctify her, make her holy, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. What? So he might present the church to himself in splendor, in glory. My translation, in glory. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Well, how glorious that is, folks. The church will be glorious. He will present the church pure and upright and holy. It won't be like now where you have Baptists, you know, or you have Presbyterians and you have Pentecostalists and you have the Church of England and all, all the rest of it. No! In all the confusion, it will not be like that. It will be perfect. It will be glorious. Without spot or wrinkle. It says this in, in Colossians. It says, uh, it says, in order to present you before him holy, blameless and beyond reproach. Folks, we look forward to a glorious church, a perfect church, 
A church pure, righteous, not like today. Wonderful, we look forward to that glorious, that glorious day. Are you in that day? Will you be in that day? Belonging to that church. That's the thing, belonging to that church, that pure and righteous and holy church that he will present to himself when he comes. No spot or wrinkle. A glorious church. A glorious church. And we also had to look forward to a glorious future. Can you turn to Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Sorry? 944 nine, for, for help for folk. Okay, this is Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read a few verses starting at 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time. See, Christians, are, do you know, one thing that hits me about true Christianity is that we, we really are the only people that can be honest. We can say sorry because we are sinners. We, can be, we don't have to have any face with one another. We don't have any pretense. We know the talk. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks on the heart. We know this. So we can be honest. We don't pretend that things are wonderful around about us. For consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy um, comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And it goes on to talk about it being in corruption, in bondage to corruption. And verse 22, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Well, we know that things round about us, we know there's suffering, terrible suffering, and there's corruption. And we know that there's something greater for the future, far greater. Not that it can be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. You see, it's very difficult for us to understand that, isn't it? We're so earthbound. We're so used to here. There's something far greater when the whole creation will one day come under the Lord Jesus Christ and be renewed. And you might say, well, it's understandable. And in many ways, it's not understandable. These things are above us. And there's a, I just want to read one or two verses out in... in um, Corinthians on, on this in, in 1 Corinthians 2 you, you need to look at it but uh, it says this it says this what, are, what no eye has seen or ear heard nor the heart of man imagined see we haven't seen it we haven't really heard it we can't really imagine it this is verse 9. What God has prepared for those that love him. What God has prepared for those that love him. It's a mystery, folks, isn't it? This is something beyond us, and yet we know it's true. 
that there's this glorious future, this glorious future. In 2 Corinthians, it talks about it in a slightly different way. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says this, So then we do not lose heart, though our outer man is wasting away. Well, we all know about that. The older get, we know that's true. Um, at, um, when I used to teach um, in, in um, further education, uh, one of the things I used to do were differences between men and women. And men supposed to get to the, the peak of their physical lives, and after that it's downhill, at 26. A woman was before that, about 21, and it was downhill afterwards, you see. But we know that's true. We know the outer man is decaying, right? Wasting away, it says in this translation. Our inner man is being renewed day by day. There's a man inside us that should be growing. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It's the same thought as Romans 8. So this light affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We can't compare anything with it, what's coming, folks. It's a glorious future. A glorious future. Can't be compared to anything here. When we see the Lord, when we're with him, can't be compared to anything round about us. Now, have you got this future, folks? Have you got this glorious future? What's your promise? What's your hope? What's your expectation? Now, I know when you talk to people, if you talk to an ordinary person, you might think they don't think about it. Well, that's the impression they, you know. Well, there's a verse in the Bible that says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And you might think, well, that's the attitude of most people today. But I think people do think about it. I'm sure people think about it. And when they're asleep at night, or awake in their bed at night, they think, what's the future hold? Where am I going? What's it about? I'm sure they do think about it. Now, we believers, we have a glorious future. What's the future for the unbeliever? What's the future? Oh, I die, and that's it. That's why you're here today. Who's kidding who? Who's kidding who? No, there is a judgment. They will stand before the Lord, and they will have to account for why they've rejected him, the Lord of glory. What an awful future. An awful judgment for the unbeliever. <laughs> But for the believer, a glorious future. A future when we're like the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's go on to that. There's a glorious coming. <coughs> in Matthew 24, it talks about <coughs> the Lord coming with power and great glory. <coughs> it talks about <coughs> the <coughs> when the Son of Man comes in his glory. Matthew 25. And there's that wonderful passage in Titus. You know, it starts off with the grace of God has appeared. Do you remember that? bringing salvation to all kinds of men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. Now, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That wonderful passage in Titus, you see. Not like the first time. Not like the first time. Oh, I know there were angels. They sang. I know that some shepherds came. I know that some kings came. But when he came the first time, 
Completely different how he's going to come the second time. He came humbly. He came as a servant. He came as a man to live as a man. To die on a, a cross as a man. That's how he came the first time. He's not going to come the second time like that. You say, well, Nigel, how can you believe such things? If you're an unbeliever here this morning, you might be thinking, how can you? I'll tell you what. Last time I was here, two weeks ago, we spoke about that wonderful prophecy 800 years before the Lord was on a cross. So clear in the Bible, 800 years before it happened. I'll tell you what, why shouldn't I believe the Bible again? If the Bible tells me he's coming again, why shouldn't I believe it? Why shouldn't I believe this man who never said anything wrong, who no one can point a finger at him, when he says, I will come again and receive you unto myself? Why shouldn't I believe him? I tell you what, I believe him more than anybody else. Of course I'm going to believe him. I will come again, he says, and receive you unto myself. But what will it be like for the unbeliever? What will it be like for those that do not know the Lord? It says this in the Bible. He will come with his mighty angels. I'm quoting now. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those that know not him. There won't be any mocking of God then, you know. They'll be crying out for the mountains to cover them. Oh, what a serious thing. But for us, for those that love the Lord, what a glorious thing to be caught up and to be with the Lord forever when he comes in power and glory. So there's a glorious church. There's a glorious future. There's a glorious coming. But there's a glorious body, you know. Can you turn to Philippians, please? Philippians chapter 3. I'm having great trouble with this pulpit Bible, you know, because it's not been used very much. Yeah, okay, got there. So, Philippians chapter 3. Can someone shout out the... 981. Okay, 981. Say, 981. <coughs> and I'm going to read from verse 20. I'm saying there's going to be a glorious body. I don't know whether any, anybody heard Will Self this morning. Did you hear Will Self this morning at 10 to 9 on the radio? Oh, it's very interesting. He's a modern thinker. I often enjoy listening to him. He's not a believer. In fact, he's very anti. But often he, he speaks the truth. And he was saying that how, you know, that um, we have a view of the body as being unimportant. And actually our bodies is us, which it is in a way. And that's the Hebrew view of the, the body and the spirit as, as one. That's why... They treat the body with so much respect when someone dies. I don't know if ever thought about that. And how they, we've read this in our reading this week, Janice and myself at home, how they treated the Lord's body with respect. Nicodemus came and with those embalming um, spices to embalm the body. The body was important. Oh, they would have chucked the Lord's body into Gehenna, into the rubbish pit. No, no. The body's important. Right? And, um, and here it comes, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. Now that should solve many problems about politics, folks, for those here. You know, but our citizenship is in heaven. No, no Brexit discussion in heaven, folks. Praise God. And from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
who will transform our lowly body, uh, it says in often translation I use, our body of humiliation, our, our weak body, our lowly body, to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. My friend, we're going to have a glorious body like the Lord Jesus Christ. A glorious body. Now, the funeral service often uses those words in Corinthians chapter 15. And it, it talks about, you know, when a body is being put in the grave, it says it, it's sown a perishable body. And it's raised an imperishable body. It's sown in dishonour. But it's raised in glory. See, raised in glory. When, when there's a resurrection, it's going to be a glorious body. Sown in weakness. Raised in power. It's a sown and natural body. And it's raised a spiritual body. A spiritual body. So we're going to have a new body. A glorious body. Likened unto the Lord Jesus Christ. A glorious church. A glorious future. A glorious coming. A glorious body. But you know... We have something now even. We have a glorious gospel. It says in, in um, Timothy, Paul says this. Um, he says, The glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So there's glory now, in a sense. There is something wonderful and glorious now. The, the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it, it's most marvellous to think that we should have joy and glory in the gospel today. Um, Paul talks about being transformed from glory to glory. There is a present, present glory, and that's the gospel. Why is it glorious? The gospel is glorious because it deals with our basic problem that we're cut off from God God is holy, we are unholy. And what does the gospel say? The gospel says, God has sent the Lord Jesus Christ to be a substitute for sinners, to die on a cross and bear their sin. And you can have Christ's holiness, and you can enjoy God and go to be with God. This is a glorious thing. This is the glorious gospel. The glorious gospel. But, you know, there's something deeper, and I want to take you into something deeper and something mysterious this morning, perhaps. Turn with me to John 17. And this is the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 17. Because I am staggered to think that the Lord Jesus Christ should want people like me, like you, to be with him, to see his glory, to be with him, in glory. It's the most amazing, amazing thing, isn't it? Can you say that again, please? 903 for those. Okay, so it's John 17. This is the, the Lord Jesus Christ um, praying. And look at verse 22. Well, I'll go from verse 20. I, verse 20. I do not ask for these only, that's the disciples, but also for those who believe in me through their word that they may all be one, just as you and Father are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so the world may believe that you sent me. The glory 
that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. We, folks, we do not reflect that glory as we should. I in them and you in me, and that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love me, even, sorry, them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am. What, what are we going to do? To see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Well, what a glorious message this is. Not just being saved from our sins, folks. Not just being right with God and having a clear conscience and know that our past is finished, our sins have gone, Christ has died for them and dealt with them. The gospel says we're going to be with him in his glory. See his glory. In Revelation, it speaks about those people praising God, the Lamb, who is worthy of all honour, praise and blessing. Oh, I wish I could enter into this, folks. It would put a different perspective on life, wouldn't it? To be in this frame of mind. To be thinking, there is a glorious gospel, which doesn't just speak of the now, but speaks of the future. Now, one more point. Why is this? What's all this glory dependent on? All this wonderful future for the believer. What's all this glory dependent on? Well, it's dependent on the glorious Saviour. Nothing else. The Lord of glory. Paul calls him the Lord of, Lord of glory. Hebrews says this, because of the suffering of death, he was crowned with glory and honour. It's so amazing that the Lord of glory should have an interest in us. Peter says we have become partakers, partakers of the divine nature. Can you turn up a scripture, Colossians. Can you go to Colossians chapter 3? Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. So, well, just the first. So, chapter 3 of Colossians. Can someone shout out the page? First one says this of 3. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Very challenging this, isn't it? I wonder where your mind is set, where it's going to be set in the coming week. Where's your mind set? Where's your perspective? What, what are your hopes? Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is all dependent, folks, on the Lord of glory. Us being in the Lord of glory. Us coming with the Lord of glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. It's all dependent on Christ. It's all based on him and him alone. 
So we have a glorious future, folks. A glorious church? Perfect. A glorious future? Can't be compared to anything here. A glorious coming? We're waiting for the Lord Jesus to come in power and glory. A glorious body, a changed body, likened unto his glorious body. A glorious gospel, which speaks not just now of our sins being forgiven, but the future. And all dependent on a glorious saviour himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to finish with the text of the song, the last song we're going to sing. We're going to sing this song that we did the chorus to. And this is the text, it's in 1 John. It says this, Beloved, now we are children of God. Now, look, I'm very aware, folks, as I stand up here, I'm very aware that it's not the church I'm speaking to. I mean, there's a church at Potton here, Baptist church, right? But there's the congregation. And in that congregation, like Janice and myself, we're not members of the church, we're, we're, we're Christians, but we're visitors. And there's other folk that haven't made an open profession of Christ. And I have a conflict, sometimes you know it. Who am I speaking to? I mean, it's an issue. Am I speaking to the church at Potton? Am I speaking to the congregation? Right, folks, listen, we know, uh, sorry, beloved, we are children of God. So, if we're not children of God, the rest doesn't follow. Have you got my problem? This is in 1 John, chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Beloved, we are children of God, and it does not appear as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. That's all, believer, you need to know. When someone asks you, believer, oh, what's heaven like? You need to tell them, heaven will be the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll be with him. Do you know we're not really told much about heaven in the Bible? We don't need to be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Oh, they are so wonderful. I, I've had a great restriction on my spirit this morning. I don't know why. But those, listen, we shall be like him. If you get nothing from this morning, will you be like him? Will you be like him? It's the answer to everything, folks. We shall be like him. We shall be like him. Think on that more, folks. Think on that. In your difficulties this coming week, in your failures with yourself and with others, say, I shall be like him. I shall see him as he is. I should be like him. That's enough for me. Okay, let's sing this. this um,